action. Welcome to Torn Stubs with me, photographer Robert Gershenson and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We are continuing our series on 21st century horror with The Skin I Live In, directed by Pedro Almodovar. Plastic surgeon Robert Legard, played by Anthony Banderas, is a skin genius. <laughs> Love skin. <laughs> Synthesizing an artificial skin that is burn resistant. He has been carrying out a successful test on the beautiful Vera, played by Elena Anaya, a patient he keeps locked in his... <laughs> I say Elena Anaya. <laughs> He, she plays a patient he keeps locked in his semi-secluded Spanish mansion. But who is Vera really? And what secrets are on the cusp of being exposed? Ooh. It's such a great setup. Joshua, have you seen this before? I have. I saw it when it came out. I can't believe it's been 10 years since this film came out. It feels like it, it was about five years, years ago. I can't believe it either. Yeah. I can't believe it either. I saw it at the Finchley. No, I saw it at uh, the Phoenix Cinema in finchley oh nice i like the phoenix i saw it with a friend that's a good place to see this kind of film because it's It's so great place to see it it's such a gorgeous gorgeous cinema i just recently saw ammonite there that was the first one i'd seen there in 10 years Mm. um i saw it with a friend who was about to go to cambridge to study spanish Oh, interesting. <laughs> so he was very much into seeing Spanish films. So I was yeah. like, let's go see Pedro Almodovar's new film. Ah. And he loved it. Oh, brilliant. Did you, you loved it as well? I absolutely loved it. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's so, it, it really trickles the information it gives you in that first hour. And I guess that's why it was, it was compared to Hitchcock at the time. Yeah, definitely. I think that's where the comparisons begin and end. I don't see anything else Hitchcock, Hitchcockian in it. I guess it's got that. Hitchcock often had this kind of psychosexual undertone, but because of the the restrictions of the day and, you know, whatever, he couldn't really go full throttle into much of that. But I can imagine mm. him doing sort of a version of this. Obviously, Vera would, or Vera would actually be a blonde um, and... You know, it would be stylistically very different. But I think I could definitely see a version of this done by Hitchcock. Definitely. I am. Yeah, I saw it when it came out. I think I reviewed it for somebody. I can't remember now. Um, But it it kind of. Yeah, I found it more fascinating than sort of. I don't know. It was I just found it really. I, I was impressed by its daring, basically. I was just like, holy shit, this film has gone to places I never imagined. Um, and I think that it's particularly interesting to rewatch now in sort of the wake of the the trans rights movement, you know, which is clearly obviously still ongoing and a massive issue. Um, but to watch this film uh, through that kind of perspective only kind of adds to it, I think. It, um, obviously, this film is very separate from the trans movement, but it obviously is has similar themes to I'm just kind of like dancing around the issue basically because we haven't actually spoiled what the twist is <laughs> but um, I'm assuming if people are listening to this episode then they know the twist so my question is is this a pro-trans 
or is this a transphobic film? Mm. I think it's neither because what Robert Legger's, Legger does is basically what... Not me. What he does, spot, plot spoiler, is he kidnaps a young man who he believes has raped his sort of troubled young daughter. And he then uses this kidnapped young man, Vincent, uh, played by Jan Cornett. And he uses him as sort of like a guinea pig in order to try out his kind of his different treatments. And basically he turns Vincent into Vera, who is a woman. So it raises lots of sort of very interesting uh, questions about obviously consent, <laughs> which is a massive one. Um, but also, you know, is this is this the worst thing that could ever happen? He's a woman. No, that's not what the issue with the film is. The issue is the fact that this is very much a punishment. This is Vincent Vincent's kind of form of a nightmare, basically. Um, you know, a man against his wishes being turned into a woman is is never going to be something that should be celebrated uh so yeah i I don't think it's either pro or or anti-trans i think it exists almost in its own twisted body horror bubble is my feeling what do you think yeah i think i i think on on one hand the you know being trans is so much more than just a, a physicality yeah exactly you know it's completely in the mind and then the body is then reassigned post coming out yeah. i guess but it is used as punishment yeah changing sex and i wonder does it reinforce an old horror trope of the criminal actually usually wanting or actually taking the physical form so i'm thinking of things like psycho mm. uh the science of the lambs dressed to kill your favorite cherry falls yeah jay moore yeah the monstrous These are female all films where the monstrous female, but usually the monstrous female is taking the female form in order to commit the crime. Mm. Here it's slightly twisted in that the female form is being assigned to the male as a form of punishment. Mm. Yeah. And the, the other layer that is going on there is that Robert, the, the surgeon, Antonio Banderas, he's essentially trying to recreate his dead wife. Um, you know, his Robert's uh, housekeeper is, is his mother. And she says, oh, you know, they all look the same. They all look very similar, these women. He's clearly been doing surgery on women and kind of turning them into his wife, essentially. Mm. Um, and Vera, played by Elena An- Anaya, she's actually, she plays uh, Gal Ledgard too, who's the wife. So he's there's this really fucked up sort of psychological thing going on where he's punishing this kid by turning him into a woman who looks like his dead wife. And then he is also sleeping with her. You know, it's this massive... she looks like the daughter as well. (laughs) It goes, it really goes for it. I've always read it that he's turning Vince, Vincente, into the daughter that he raped. I never saw it that he, I was never saw it as being turned into the mum. He was turning turning the boy into his daughter and then he was sleeping with someone that looked like his daughter into norma so there's like there's another whole layer going on of sort of incestuous desire there is just so much you can interpret from a film that sort of doesn't really explain 
a lot and just leaves it almost sort of just up for interpretation i think it leaves a, a moral gray area like who is justified is the professor justified in in a doing experiments to start with but b taking vincent and enacting this as a punishment yeah for a crime that he has no he has no solid evidence other than the fact that he saw him on a motorcycle even as an audience member you're kind of invited to question sort of how much you sympathize with vincent because clearly what is done to him is horrific but then there's no i mean i feel like okay so the scene where he has relations with norma there's a sense that she's nervous but kind of maybe wants it but then she starts to freak out but and he kind of freaks out as well and then he kind of gets off her after he's like slapped her and knocked her unconscious. Mm. And I think that if that had happened, you would sort of be like, did he rape her? Did he not? You know, what's actually going on here? But then when he's redressing her, he does sort of caress her breasts very um, creepily. So I feel yeah. like if they hadn't added in that sort of redressing feel up, basically, you would maybe have felt slightly less, uh, slightly more sympathetic towards him. The idea of rape is obviously a very it can be a very gray area. It's not as binary mm. as you were or you weren't. Mm -hmm. In this case, it doesn't seem to be a straightforward penetrative rape because mm. he mm. does get off, but then he does slap her and then he does grip yeah. her up, but he does cover her up. He does leave her in a yeah. state, maybe, I mean, probably to cover up any idea that well, yeah. a potential assault happened. So yeah. for all intents and purposes even if even if it could be proven that he didn't actually in the eyes of the law rape her he still mm. caused her a lot of pain afterwards to the point mm. where she kills herself doesn't she yeah she throws herself out the window no that was the mum no but then the, when the grandmother is telling her the, the story telling vera the story she says oh then norma followed her mother uh, out right. the window yeah that that long section where the grandmother who isn't revealed to be the grandmother except mm. to the audience is mm -hmm. telling vera all this exposition i find that kind of lazy and and pedro amadova's done this sort of thing before where some sort mm. of matriarchal figure will sit someone down and tell them a By story the campfire. yeah um yeah so at, at, at the same time that pedro amadova's a, a brilliant talent and he's a you know an absolute genius filmmaker he can be lazy mm. sometimes do you ever dream about the past do you actual events, actual events? i no. only dream in fiction i don't dream in fact yeah yeah right so it's 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 another lazy uh it's a lazy device to use yeah i suppose if if there's like a really traumatic uh, incident that sort of imprints on your brain then there is a chance that you will relive that through sleep but I can't imagine you would relive it in exactly the way it happened ever. You know, there would be flying pigs or something. Or, <laughs> you know, you would change the ending or, you know, it wouldn't be exactly as it happened. Do you feel... F it's a filmmaking device. Do you feel sympathy for the rapist? Um, God. <laughs> well, that's the question. Like, is he a rapist? Um, the whole thing made me feel very uncomfortable, to be honest. Like, because it's never clear. He's definitely committed a sexual assault. Yeah, it's definitely a sexual assault. Um, or I mean, there's so much expectation in that in that sequence because clearly that is 
you see this the shots of all the other teenagers um having sex in the woods yeah. and so it's clearly like some kind of tradition that they all go out in the woods and shag mm. and so he's thinking yeah this is going to be great and then so he makes a move on her and then she doesn't sort of resist but she clearly isn't like comfortable mm. with it so on that basis then yeah it's a sexual assault because he should be able to see that she's not but then he was high on drugs yeah. so yeah i i think it's easy to sympathize with vera because vera is portrayed to us as a victim um it's you know as soon as she becomes vera we are given her as a victim. She's locked in a room. She's raped. She um, is, you know, she's kept against her will. Um, she self-harms. She kind of tries to kill herself. Uh, she has no sort of... Um, she has no choice. She has no active existence. So she's given to us very much as a, as a victim. So it's, it's sort of... It's easy to... Um, separate her from Vincent in your mind. It's easy to go, Vincent was a bad guy and Vera is a victim. We get introduced to Vera before we know who Vincent is, before we know the truth. Yeah, so we... So our sympathy is exactly. already there. The, the twist... Is, yeah, yeah. It, it, put, it, you know, it should pull a rug from under our feet. Yeah, yeah. Did you? How did you feel once you'd found out that, that Vera was Vincent? I, you know, I can't... I mean, I, I can't remember exactly because it was 10 years ago, but I do remember thinking that is a genius genius twist i've always thought that is a brilliant oh yeah brilliant twist and that unfortunately and it really seeds it beautifully it, it really does even with even with so, so exposition clever. even with exposition dreams yeah the information is seeded and woven really really well visually you know before that we have the dresses being cut up yeah. we have the actual shot of vera asleep and vincent's face superimposed on the other side of the screen almost like they're looking at each other mm. the, the film is screaming at us they're the same person so you don't get that on a first watch but that's the problem isn't it it's a it's a one movie it's, it's a one watch movie in the sense that you're never going to yeah. be able to watch it blind again it's a one trick yeah movie. so then you know second time around it has to be a case of let me enjoy the mm. process and I, th I do think the film holds up even though you know the twist because it is a pleasure yeah. to watch, irregardless of grammar exposition, irregardless of mm. fiction documentary dreams, non-fiction documentary yeah. dreams. So did you feel sympathy for Vincent or Vera the second time? I think my answer will come in the form of a question, which is, does the doctor have the right to take the law into his own hands? Because ultimately mm. he should be tried in a court of law. Yeah. And and punished according to what the laws that rule the land determine. The question is, does the punishment fit the crime, essentially, is what the question is. It's like, does any rapist deserve that punishment? But then, that, but that becomes a subjective answer because he obviously feels that, yes, the, the punishment does fit the crime because then he gets yeah. to control. He gets to mm -hmm. have control over how uh, basically vincent's life and when he lets him go well not lets him go when vincent escapes that obviously wasn't part of the plan so to some degree yes i can feel sympathy for vincent because that's not really a punishment that the law would ever mm. you know give out other times i think mm. well 
the daughter was dead. This is never going to court. The father needs mm. some sort of closure. So has he got the closure? And the daughter's statement, the, da- the daughter's statement would presumably never hold up in court because she would be deemed unfit to um, give a testimony. You know, she was in a, a mental recuperation yeah, hospital. Yeah, because, so. because of the PTSD. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Go on. Is Dr. Robert God? <laughs> uh, God creates Earth. Earth creates dinosaurs. Man kills dinosaurs. Shot goes into water. Woman kills man. <laughs> Woman inherits the Earth. There you go. <laughs> uh, is he God? Mm, I guess he's a form of devil more than anything surely i'm not sure he's god he's sort of he's corrupting um you know god's creation if you're going to get sort of theological about it he's he's bastardizing um what god has created you know god if you want to believe it created vincent as a man and uh robert is saying no i want vincent to be a woman so i'm going to do that thank you very much but vincent isn't a woman Vincent is physically yeah. got the attributes given to a mm-hmm. female, but he is not a woman because when he goes to his mum and sister at the end and reveals himself mm. as Vincent, he doesn't say, I am Vera. He says, it's me. No. It's Vincent. Yeah. Robert has created, like God, Robert has created man in his image. That doesn't mean everyone's going to look like God. Robert has created mm. a person in the image that Robert favours. The the image yeah, yeah. of his daughter and his wife. Robert is all-powerful. He has the the genetic and the intelligence and the ability to, to do these skin tests, either on mice or humans, and he's all-seeing. He has increased the mm. CCTV in the complex. And yeah. he's vengeful. What could be more godlike than being <laughs> vengeful? That's the most godlike. Yeah. God is, especially in the... Um, in the the first test the first book testimony the first testament the first, the first testament. testament he's so petty and insecure and vengeful mm, a vengeful god yeah so i think i think robert's got a god complex not me mm, not oh yeah me. well but surely yeah not not this robert surely any kind of surgeon has a slight sense of sort of deification because they literally hold people's lives in their hands so but they play within the rules even if they're doing it yeah yeah even if they're doing it for sort of good for the good of mankind or womankind it's um it's still a position that it that intrinsically comes with a great deal of power this is mad scientist territory this is the nutty professor this is dr frankenstein this is hollow man <laughs> hollow man yeah this is yeah hollow frankenstein man. definitely yeah, he, Dr. Dr. Robert Leggard is Dr. Frankenstein. It's very clear. And it fit, hilariously, though, um, Almodovar didn't actually have that as a frame of reference when he was doing the film. It was only when he'd written it that he was like, oh, yeah, it's a bit like Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like a Frankenstein, eh? Well, he was more like eyes without a face and like vertigo and stuff. Yeah. I think it's interesting that Almodovar said... In an interview that I read, he said that women are more spectacular as dramatic subjects. They have a greater range of register. Um, and I, I was kind of like, is that true of this film? Because clearly he has this enormous filmography of um, fantastically complex 
female characters and he loves um, writing and directing films about women mm. but this really sort of breaks the mold in so many ways because Vera is fascinating but she's a man she's a man um, mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's almost like postmodern Almodovar where he's actually almost deconstructing what he finds interesting about writing women and sort of covertly writing a really quite interesting well a couple of very interesting men actually like Robert Lang- Langdon is Ledgar Lang- keep saying Robert Langdon <laughs> God's <laughs> sake Da Vinci Code um, all of the women in, in this film are fascinated but all of the men are equally interesting well this I think this marks a change in his output this is like his last brilliant film the next mm. one he made after this was the abysmal i'm so oh. excited set on the airplane yeah. and actually features a very dodgy male rape scene which is played for oh, comedy God. then he did julietta i think it was called julietta which was a fucking snore fest oh really i haven't yet seen um is pain it, and glory pa- i haven't seen pain and glory and he's just apparently done... it's fantastic really I, yeah. I really do hope it is. It, it, there seems to be some sort of magic when those two work together, Almodova yeah, and yeah. Um, Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Um, Banderas. Yeah. Puss in boots. Puss in Call boots. me Puss. El Mariachi. Um, but he's just done this short film with um, Tilda Swinton. And, oh, yeah. And I haven't seen that yet, but you know, I've seen posters, no. I've seen clips. It looks phenomenal. So maybe he just had like a, yeah. a blip years where he just didn't really know what he was what he was doing. Maybe he got lost a bit mm. maybe he got bored with what he was doing I'm, i mean i almodovar is a massive blind spot for me because for whatever reason i just have never got round to watching sort of his real big hitters um i've seen enough of them from what i i've seen enough yeah of them. well so what from what i can tell he's basically sort of paddled in this uh, the same kind of pool you know his films are about complex women and sexual psychosexual issues and yeah. melodrama and big color and all that kind of stuff and also so it's almost the, like um, he's been doing that for a long time also now. the blurred line between gender there's a lot of uh, gender play mm. in his film so there's usually a transsexual at least somewhere in his films and they there's, mm. there's usually a mystery like bad education was the first one i saw i saw that right at the high park picture house in leeds and weirdly it mm. was my friend who isn't into art house cinema said i want to go see this film just because he liked mm-hmm. spanish stuff he's the same friend mm. who would years later drag me to see bridget jones's baby and mamma mia 2 here we go again oh his taste went down no his that is his taste right <laughs> bad education was the blip <laughs> oh okay right yeah he's the complete inverse of it us. was purely the spanish thing that was the interesting yes exactly angle for him exactly yeah, yeah. Do you think, so if we're talking about this in terms of um, horror movies, a 21st century horror season, do you see this as a haunted house film? There's definitely a ghost story element to it because the spectre mm. of the past hangs over this like like a heavy fog. Every mm. Every act, everything that Robert is doing is because of something that happened in the past and he can't let go either emotionally and even physically. He doesn't want Vera to leave. He doesn't want the image that he's created in his daughter and his wife's image. He doesn't want that to leave. It takes mm. it takes Vincent slash Vera's cunning to hatch a plan, shoot both of them dead, and then leave in order to escape. There's definitely mm. a... Um, 
there's definitely a kind of a martyr's feel to it in the sense that you've got a female figure trapped in a modern looking house there's definitely a modern um there's definitely a modern ghost story feel to it just it's just a ghost story with no ghosts (laughs) well she kind of is a ghost though because she's she's haunting this room you know she's doing all these she's creating creepy clay statues and she's writing all over the walls and she's almost behaving a bit like a ghost and she's almost like she almost looks not like a real human though she's wearing that like kind of like flesh colored bodysuit mm, that makes and her look and mask and the mask as well it like i felt really even though it's shot pretty much fully in the daytime really mm. brightly colored it still has this weirdly oppressive haunted house feeling to it i felt you know there's this there's this this person this entity locked in a room it has echoes of hitchcock's rebecca yes and then yeah definitely. if we link it forward i can kind of see where alex gardner sort of picked up the baton and constructed ex machina yeah definitely because it's very, i hadn't thought that but that's genius it's very clinical uh, clinical it's very yeah. sparse and cold it's quite a cold film and Almodovar's usually quite a warm you know he mm. has these warm sentimental moments this is really harsh and cold maybe that's why I respond to it so well <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. always respond to his his previous work I like his it's almost like the darker um, side of Almodovar yeah it's almost Scandinavian in terms of set dressing I know it's all set in Spain and mm. it's a very Spanish house but for some I guess because it's all quite sparse the interior is very hard and spacious it feels Scandi. What did you think of the way that he sh- he kind of filmed Vera's body and Vincent's body, sort of as you know, as female and male? Well, he doesn't. Obviously, Pedro Almodovar's gay. He doesn't find the physical form attractive, and he doesn't linger on the body in a, I guess, a perverted sense. There's a there's a medical mm. clinical eye because you know there's there's literally skin being grafted and then there's scar marks to heal but when it comes to vincent the only time we ever really see his body is when he's chained up in the basement and that's when the film kind of takes on a a blumhouse saw feel but then also (laughs) when he's strapped to the operating table and again it's not sexual it's it's clinical yeah even in those moments you know Almodova is restrained and he doesn't turn it into a you know a perverted sex fest yeah I found it surprisingly ungratuitous you know I felt myself bracing for horrific you know as soon as you as soon as you um realize what he's doing I was expecting to see like a chopped off penis and, <laughs> and sort of you know when uh when Vincent first comes to after the surgery, when he's had a, va- a vagina plasty, mm. and he look he looks in the mirror, and you don't you see the briefest glimpse of the the robe opening, but you yeah. don't see anything explicitly. Exactly. So even though it's very much a body horror, it um, it doesn't linger. It doesn't have any shots of of genitals or mutilation. It leaves it entirely to your imagination, and it almost kind of allows the horror of it all to be understated, which actually almost amplifies it, I think. Well, it's the complete opposite to a Cronenberg film. 
Cronenberg is all about yeah. the exploitation. This isn't Gooey. about exploitation. No, it's not at all. It, it's um, it's like you said, it's very clinical, and I think that's because, yeah, the the Robert Lang Robert Langton. What the fuck is his name? The Robert <laughs> Doctor Doctor Robert, the Doctor Robert character, Doctor Bobby is um, <laughs> Bobby Banderas. <laughs> He is he is a surgeon, so he's not going to be shocked by obviously any of the things that he's doing to Vincent's body. Yeah. So it wouldn't really make sense to to show things that then would shock the audience because it, that's not what it's about. It's about the end result. And there's the idea that you know you hide the monster if if yeah. the the physical form here is the enemy to Vincent, who through another another lens could be viewed as the the victim and the hero of this film mm-hmm. you don't want to show the monster to the audience you yeah. want to leave it to their imagination the twist actually thinking about the twist have you ever seen the episode of black mirror with um alex lawther where he's a kid that um enjoys himself by watching something online gets a text message oh. to say that we have just been recording you and you think that you think that I've him, had those emails well you think that him being blackmailed puts him as a victim but then the twist is he's not the victim I'm not going to spoil it mm. but it really does sort of remind me of that it's a it's a morality tale and I guess that's what this film can be considered but yeah do you think Pedro Amadova puts his flag down do you think he makes a decision on who is righteous and who is wrong I don't know. Is he just, is he all, is he just slightly, um, I think, well, okay. So an interview that I read with him, he said that he, the reason that he loved the book this is based on, which is known as Tarantula in English publishing. um, The reason he loved the book and eventually wanted to make it into a film is because he was fascinated by the extremes of Dr. Roberts sort of um, efforts for revenge. So he he kind of i think that means that Almodovar doesn't condone anything that anybody does he he's just interested in what you know quite quite how far these characters go kind of thing yeah why do you think he did no i think he's slap bang in the middle which is why i think it's such a cold movie because he doesn't identify mm. with anyone he's very much watching it from a distance he's almost you know, if we want to link it back to some other stuff we, we spoke in last week's episode, he is the watchful character watching it all play out, mm. you know, like the balloon rockabilly person in A Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night, like the mystery mm. man, like uh, Elvis in True Romance. He is, he's Rob Serling. This is his Twilight mm. Zone episode. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that Vera would actually have killed Dr. Robert if she hadn't or he hadn't seen the picture of Vincent in the paper. You know, that clearly was a massive reminder of who he actually is. No, I think you know, he do was you think planning he bought his, into I think he was planning uh, his, his escape because he did the whole thing with the the lubrication oh, the I just need to go get it and then he gets the gun from the mm. and comes up and shoots the big question is and this is what the cliffhanger that the film ends on will the mother accept Vera yeah. as Vincent yeah which I find that 
that's just a, that's just bloody hell what an ending because that really plays into very relatable themes of coming out to your family and it's yeah. like Vincent didn't choose to become Vera um, and you know but he looks like that now um, and so can anybody accept what he looks like and that's such a relatable thing for anybody who's had to come out um, to people they love but it's almost like this farcical tragic as fuck kind of version of that where it's just like oh my god you know but I don't know oh my god it's so it's so complex because then if he tries to explain oh I didn't want this you know it's almost like he it's like that the metaphor then vanishes because when you're when you're gay you don't sort of choose to be gay but you own it yeah so is he gonna own being Vera or is he gonna say I'm fucking not a woman and he's gonna cut all his hair off and kind of who knows will he have any choice because you know not to be too graphic he has been altered downstairs mm. hasn't he yeah there's no there's there's no reversal of that as far as i know but that doesn't stop him identifying as a boy in his head i guess that's the 2021 culture commenting on this film as time goes on do you think this film will start to age quite badly mm. in that respect i really don't know i was really i was watching it with such a sort of very intently trying to think about the issues it brings up and how it will age and i just don't know because it it's like i said it does kind of exist in its own um sort of uh what's it called when it's like safe territory it's a little micro bubble it's in its own little micro-bubble. It's a neutral territory. You know, there's no war going on in this territory. It's not trying to say anything about anything other than perhaps revenge uh, and psychological mm. uh, breakdowns, basically. I don't so, think it needs to say anything about any sort of gender, any sort of queer, mm. trans, uh, cultural conversation. Some films, especially yeah. these, especially these um, Twilight Zone-type shows and films they should be offensive i like it mm. if it is offensive because then at least sometimes being offensive is the only way to get the conversation started and i <laughs> like things that are offensive mm. and fuck you if you think differently <laughs> <laughs> that was the skin i live in directed by pedro almodova give us a clue as to what's coming up next time we're going to be in some little tiny houses. Little, little tiny, tiny people in little tiny houses. Like the Sylvanian family. <laughs> There's a deep cut for the 80s. Send your answers in on a postcard. Here's the address. Old Ford Lock, Lock Keepers Cottages, London E3 2NN. Don't phone, it's just for fun. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Acast so you don't miss an episode. And you don't don't miss out on Rob being on Twitter at Tornstubs Pod. Being come and give us your Yeah, come and get it, give us your film Rex and what's your favourite twenty first century horror film? We are off to live in the skin that we currently live in right now as we are living our most authentic skin lives. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut. <laughs>